Good afternoon. This is Dr. David, and I want to welcome you back again to the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast. Uh, as you may or may not know, um, I did record a new episode yesterday, so definitely tune into it. That episode is all about decision making and setting priorities. And so, you know, I don't think I'm the only person who sometimes has trouble with making decisions, especially in a timely manner, or setting the right priorities, uh, or setting priorities in the order that they should be in. So definitely tune into that episode. Uh, that episode was recorded yesterday, um, and I talk about kind of some of the things that are involved when we make decisions and how we make decisions and why if your decisions aren't so good or if it's really difficult or challenging for you to make decisions, why that might be. Um, and so definitely tune into that episode. And I also uh, chatted about the fact that there is a specific session that I offer at my office uh, for people who are having trouble with decision making. So if you're having trouble making decisions, decisions, if you're having trouble setting priorities in your life, if you're having trouble choosing between this versus that, those types of things, or if you're struggling with common issues that a lot of people have today that are associated with ADHD or ADD, like problems focusing, or problems with attention, or problems with concentration, or problems with impulse control, or ignoring distractions, and things like that, definitely come to my office and schedule an appointment. Uh, that's one of my hot spots, my sweet spots, uh, and it's not just because, you know, I'm an MD and I have a holistic mental health and wellness practice and, and I consult in, in psychiatry, uh, but it's also because I'm somebody who was diagnosed with ADD during college and was on prescription stimulants, unfortunately, uh, for quite a long time. Um, and I developed and created methods during college to help me focus and concentrate and then later on afterwards and so I really really appreciate the opportunity that I've been given to help other people manage symptoms of ADD yeah like attention or inattention distractibility focus concentration impulse control things like that without medications because there are a lot of side effects associated with medications especially prescription stimulants uh, they're addictive and I could just go down the list of other issues associated with them. Um, they're not good for your brain. They're not good for your kidneys. They're not good for your heart. I could just go down the list. But if you struggle with ADD symptoms or ADHD symptoms, please schedule an appointment in my office. I would love to help you work through those without prescription medications, which, like I said, are addictive. In the same way as the case with anxiety. For people who are struggling with anxiety, panic symptoms, panic attacks, feeling overwhelmed, uh, mentally exhausted, things like that, schedule an appointment at my office. That's another thing that I specialize in helping people move past those anxiety, panic, and other symptoms without medications, uh, which generally speaking, although there are some exceptions, are addictive. So benzodiazepines are generally prescribed. Those are medications like Xanax and Ativan and Librium and Valium. Um, and they do work to get rid of your anxiety and put you to sleep. But the problem is they're addictive and you're going to need more and more. And if you don't take more and more, uh, your symptoms are going to be worse. Right. And not only that, if you continue to rely upon them, um, you're going to eventually be cut off by your doctor, by your prescriber. Uh, and 
you may find that find out later on that you have cognitive de decline um, and dementia, early onset dementia and things like that, Alzheimer's, et cetera, because they negatively impact the brain. So that's one of the reasons among many that I have the kind of practice that I have is because one of the first things that I took as an oath to become an MD was to do no harm. So I want to uh, help you work through your problems, complaints, symptoms, whatever you want to call them, without doing harm and in a way that helps you, right? Helps you grow mentally and otherwise. So if you have any issues with anxiety or depression uh, or ADHD or any of those things or making decisions or grief or any of those kind of things, come to my office. I'd love to help you out in a holistic and natural way. So with that, I'm going to uh, move forward to today's topic. This is something that I just kind of decided to do. Uh, I wouldn't say at the last minute, but I kind of thought about doing it, but I just hadn't done it. But I just thought it would be an interesting topic since it's in the news so much and so many people were talking about it and thinking about it. Uh, I decided to do an episode about it and just kind of go through some of the variables that I think are at play in this issue uh, or issues and kind of what I think are some of the solutions that we should be talking about rather than blaming people, right? Um, so I don't necessarily talk about politics that much although every once in a while you'll see me kind of slightly dip my toe into the pool but I try to avoid politics because I want to talk about things um, that we can all chat about in, in a way without people feeling triggered or without people feeling divisive or things like that so I like to try to talk about things that we can all kind of learn from and, and grow from but that aren't very divisive right? Um, that's just not the purpose of this uh, podcast. I could do a separate podcast to talk about politics if I wanted to, but I just have chosen not to do that. But this episode today is about gender, gender identity, sexuality, and transgenderism. Uh, and I just want to approach this topic just because, um, you know, I'm not going to approach it necessarily in a political way. Uh, that's not the, the purpose of this, but I am going to approach it kind of like in a multifactorial way. Uh, the word multifactorial, I would challenge you if you don't know what that means to look it up. It's one of the most common terms that's used in medicine, uh, especially during your second year of medical school when you take pathology. I think when I, when I think back to that giant pathology book that we used in, in medical school during pathology one and pathology two, which are by the way, two of the hardest classes in medical school. Um, it's just so much information. Um, it's just unreal. But basically pathology just ties everything else that you've been learning in medical school for the last, for those two years, for two years, the first two years, the basic sciences all together. And it ends with pathology. And I mean, it's just, it, it's everything. Uh, it's biochemistry, it's cell biology, histology, it's physiology, it's anatomy, it's, uh, you know, microbiology, all of that stuff all put together. Uh, and that's kind of the basis of how, you know, diagnoses are made and things like that based on pathology or, or the factors that go into pathology or the pathophysiology of disease, right? How does disease result? That's what pathophysiology is all about. Uh, and we used the textbook Robbins, which was, oh my God, uh, just the most complicated book uh, you could possibly imagine, uh, just detailed to the infinitum. But, you know, that's what it's all about. But 
Um, the thing about it is, you know, in, in pathology and pathophysiology, you kind of look at how things come about, right? Um, and so that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to a- approach this topic, because when I think about the pathophysiology of why things are the way they are in society today uh, and, and why certain phenomena seem to happen, I like to understand why it's happening, right? And generally speaking, in most cases, with most things that happen in life, they are multifactorial. That just means they're influenced by multiple uh, factors, right? So if you, I don't know, if you bake a cake, right, a German chocolate cake, the way that that cake comes out is multifactorial. It depends on the ingredients that you used. If you used enough of this, used, used enough of that, the temperature you baked it at, the care you gave it, the time, that you the the amount of time that you that it's been in the oven all those kind of things right that's what multifactorial means so multifactorial is a word that you if you ever converse with me or if you listen to the podcast episodes you'll notice me using that word but look it up it, it's it's a brilliant word it just means that whatever you're talking about the reason why it's that way is because of a whole lot of different reasons right and the easiest way to to kind of synthesize that is just to say it's multifactorial right and if you ever hear your doctor say it's multifactorial when you ask him about something, like a problem you have, then that's kind of what that means. It also might be a subtle way of saying, look it up, right? So that's another subtle way of saying, hey, that's too complicated to go into. That's a three-hour discussion. You should just look it up, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. And generally speaking, if something's multifactorial, it's probably complex, right? But I'm gonna, I wanted to approach this topic just because I see so many people talking about it and I don't think it's getting the fairness that it deserves. <clears throat> so I'm talking about gender, gender identity, sex, sexuality, uh, and transgenderism because trans, everybody's talking about transgender. There are all these bills across the nation in different states. And like I said, I'm not going to go into politics about it. I'm just talking about what's happening, right? I'm not expressing a a religious or other opinion about it. I'm just going to talk about the facts of it, right? And I think this is going to help a lot of people. Um, And it'll give you kind of a place to search for answers, right? So some of the, the ways that I think gender, gender identity, sexuality, and transgenderism, uh, you know, people who are in between genders or don't, or, you know, aren't just one thing or another, but can go in between or, or, you know, all those kind of things. Um, I think it's multifactorial. The four big things that, that the four kind of things that I kind of grouped it into is number one, history, the human history. I think that's really important in this discussion. Uh, Number two, environmental factors. Number three, evolutionary influences. And then number four, just kind of everything else. Before I kind of start out and, and jump into this, and this will not be a long podcast, I assure you. <laughs> uh, I've got a, I want to, I'm heading to dinner after this. But uh, I will say this, uh, and this is just kind of, and, and I don't think this is a political statement, but I just think this is just kind of a, a human kind of common sense statement uh, or, or this set of statements that I'm going to make um, that I think should temper things although you know in the climate we live in right now um social and political um, i don't see a lot of things being tempered but i would say this number one the world is changing the world we live in is changing the people who are sitting next to us or around us are changing 
And I think it behooves us to some extent or to the extent that we can to try to be open-minded and accommodating, right? Um, there's a certain grace to that. And, and that's, a, that's a word I love. I don't think I don't look at it as a religious word. I see a lot of religious or people who are religious thinking about it or saying it. But I think the word grace, I think of that as just kind of a value, right? Being gracious and giving gratitude, right? And to me, when you are gracious to other people and you express gratitude, grace and gratitude, you know, when you when you look at those two things, I think part of it is just being like, you know, there must be a certain degree of difficulty and challenge associated with some of the things that I see in other people. And it probably isn't easy for them, right? Um, and, you know, and, and I guess just kind of from a, a common sense standpoint, someone who is characterized by something or has something or expresses something that's not necessarily socially acceptable, my guess is that they didn't choose that. That's just my guess. To me, that's just common sense, right? Um, now, is, are there people in society who like attention? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and some people like negative attention and some people like positive attention. But in general, I don't think people choose to be picked on. And I don't think people choose things that led to them being discriminated against and things like that. So I, I think that's just a good starting place. I don't think most people choose choose things that are uh, that could lead to them being ostracized or negatively categorized. That's number one. Um, and you know, I can certainly think to my own existence and who I am. And I can definitely say a lot of the things that that at least partially define me, that put me in a minority category in so many different ways. And if you know me, you know what those are. But most of those things are not things that I chose. Right. And, that, and that's just the way that that is. I didn't choose things. And I, the notion that somebody woke up one day and decided to be gay or the notion that somebody woke up one day and decided they wanted to change gender, things like that, it, it's just... I think it's easy to say that if you didn't live it, right? Um, and that's the easiest way I can choose to put that. Um, you know, if you didn't live it, it's probably hard for you to understand that somebody else didn't choose it, right? The other thing I'd like to say is this, and then I'll kind of jump into these variables, right? Uh, and why I think they're important. The other thing is this, Evolution and change generally take place slowly. They don't now are there little, you know, kind of hiccups or events that happen that kind of change the course or the arc of history? Absolutely. But generally things change slowly. Now that's changing now because of technology and how our society is changing because of technology and and you know um technology and just kind of everything that's been happening over the last probably hundred or so years. Things are rapidly advancing. At least that's the way it feels. But generally th speaking, things that happen, things happen slowly. And if everyone is not catching up 
to the way that things are changing at the same speed as you, you should expect that, right? Um, and some cases, for a lot of people, life has forced you to kind of speed things up, right? But it hasn't done that to everybody else. So just kind of understand that even though life may have forced you to speed up or be more open-minded or things or, you know, like that, that's not necessarily the case for other people. So it may take them a little bit longer to get up to speed and they may not ever reach there, but give them a little slack, right? Um, and I think that's part of what's kind of missing is, is that, you know, um, and, and the reason why I mentioned that is, is this, um, you know, there's so many terms that a lot of people are familiar with today, but a lot of people who are my age in their 40s, etc., or 50s or 60s or whatever, aren't. You know, binary, non-binary, um, cis, non-cis, trans, non... I mean, there's just so much terminology that's new that a lot of people don't understand. And it's like a foreign language to them. Now, if you're young and you've grown up with those terms, maybe, maybe they're germane to you, right? Maybe they're like the, looking at the back of your hand. You just get it, right? But for older people uh, and people who grew up in the, in, like I did in the 70s and 80s, uh, it's not, right? So just give people a, a little bit of patience, right? Um, and, you know, I think that goes a little bit of patience and understanding goes a long way. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to tolerate hate. That's a different story. But give people a little bit of patience. Okay, so with that, those two things, you know, I'm going to kind of jump into this. Number one, I think human history. You have to look at human history. If you want to understand gender, gender identity, sexuality, and transgender kind of things and people, you have to understand history. If you look back at history, if you look at the Greeks, you look at the Romans, you look at the Egyptians, you look at Asians or Indian cultures, you will see people of different genders and just different gender identities and sex and sexualities. It's there. It's not a secret, um, you know, and I don't understand why, pe I guess knowledge is important, right? And maybe some people didn't take, I don't know what classes other people took in college. Uh, I know what classes I took in college. Now, I, I triple majored. <laughs> so I triple majored in biology, philosophy, and psychology, and I double minored in sociology um, and chemistry. So I was probably exposed to a little bit more in, in college than most people were, right? And that was my choice. That's just how my mind works, right? Uh, my mind was like a sponge. I wanted to absorb information and make the most out of college, which I think I did. But, you know, we learned in college, uh, you know, in Western civilization and, and European uh, studies and all these kind of things about these different cultures, right? History of civilization. Western civilization, you learn about the Greeks and the Romans and the Egyptians and, you know, all these kind of things. And you learned about some of those things, some of those differences that were there. Um, you know, now the focus of the classes that I took wasn't necessarily on sexuality. It definitely wasn't, um, you know, but you, those things were there, um, you know, and things like homosexuality were definitely present during Greek society. They were present during Roman society. I believe that they were present during Egyptian society. And there's all kinds of different things that I've seen, at least in TV programs and otherwise, about kind of variations in sex, gender, and sexuality 
in Asian cultures, right? Um, so it's there. So if you look at history, it's there. It didn't start today. It's also in, you know, in, in, in Jewish history too, right? If you look at the Bible, if you look at the, to, the Torah, etc., you know, they are in there. So the notion that all of this is new is ridiculous, right? It's not new. It's been around forever, right? Um, and, you know, the other part of it is this. Uh, um, history has shown us um, and, and books have shown us that certain things are more likely to show up in history and history books than other things. So it could be the case that a whole lot more existed in history that we don't even, that was never acknowledged, right? And, you know, even though I'm not necessarily talking about the religion, you know, most people recognize that, you know, in a lot of cases, what shows up in books isn't always historical, right? And what's historical doesn't always show up in books. And we now know that, you know, we know that certain religious texts included, um, included things, um, that basically um, were kind of selected, socially selected, right? So if you look at certain books, you'll find that certain chapters or books within that book were selected. And a lot of times they were selected for social and political and other reasons, right? So that, you know, that should lead you to the belief or the, the notion or the concept that a lot of things that probably did happen historically aren't in books, right? And I have to also say that it is also the case that uh, um, a lot of uh, a lot of people just haven't read it, right? So it's this is an opportunity if you choose to to kind of do some research and look at the the history um, because there might be some things um, that you don't know about, right? So that's the first thing. Uh, there's been a history of this going back forever, right? Uh, the next way, and I've kind of added one in, I slipped another one in that, that kind of came to me, um, as you probably realize, or, you know, most of these, uh, you know, episodes that I do, I don't pre-record them. I don't necessarily come up with a script for them or whatever. I kind of have a general outline of kind of things I want to talk about, but you know, I'm just talking, uh, just based off my own knowledge and my own thoughts and beliefs, right? The next one is biology. That's when I kind of added in and chemistry, right? One of the things that I think a lot of people don't re don't realize, and you wouldn't realize this unless you're a biochemist or you went to medical school, right? Is this, and you know, this is definitely something you could look up and read if you if you want to, right? The evolution or how we each develop from a gender standpoint uh, and probably is affects our sexuality as, as well but in terms of maleness or femaleness it's a series of biochemical reactions that determine that right and um, there are some biochemical pathways that, that we have to at least generally learn about in medical school um, that begin uh, with certain molecules like cholesterol uh, where they're transformed into hormones right you do know, and I talked about this in an earlier podcast, hormones come from cholesterol. That's why it's so important not to eliminate cholesterol from your diet because that's where your hormones come from, right? You need cholesterol in order to have hormones, right? They just go together. Hormones, I mean, uh, um, 
cholesterol is the backbone for, for hormones. So that's where they come from. And here's the thing. If you have a biochemical pathway that, that is dysfunctional or, or is abnormal, you're going to end up with abnormal hormones, right? And so just like if you have a, a, some other kind of chemical defect, you might end up with, I don't know, early onset uh, arthritis or juvenile arthritis, right? Or anything else, right? And so how we develop um, from a, a gender and sexual sex standpoint is, is biochemical pathways, right? And that's another reason why I'm trying to, you know, kind of making the point that people don't choose this stuff. It's biochemistry, right? Um, but basically, um, there are, are a series of things that happen that kind of decide your sex and sexuality and your development and all those other kind of things, right? And it's, it's all biochemistry. And so the other thing that you should consider and look at when you think about gender and gender identity and sex and sexuality and all those kind of things is the biochemical nature of it. And if you, if you look up, you can look this up if you want to, I haven't looked at it in ages, but if you look up the, the, the pathophysiologic pathway of going from cholesterol to, for instance, hormones, um, and specifically like sex hormones, like testosterone and estrogen, it's very complex. It, it's a very complicated pathway that lead to all your sex hormones, right? And it's not just estrogen and testosterone. There's a whole bunch of them. And a lot of people don't really know a lot about them. Progesterone, luteinizing hormone, um, you know, um, uh, oxytocin. There's all these, and those are just the basic ones. There are a lot of minor ones that play roles too. So basically what I'm saying is that biochemically, this is a complex thing. It's not just basic, right? It's complex and it's biochemistry. Um, so if you want to have a, a deeper understanding of why there might be differences in gender, gender identity, sex, sexuality, those kind of things, look at biochemistry. Um, and I'll be talking later about a book that, that kind of informed some of my thoughts about that too, right? So there's biochemistry. That's the second thing. The next thing is environmental factories, factors, right? Those things are changing who we are. Right. And it's changing our evolution. Right. Which I'll talk about after that. Right. Our diet, our nutrition, the things we're putting in our body. And this is another thing that a, a prediction that I'm going to kind of make. But to me, it's not any kind of profound prediction. It's something um, that is kind of common sense. As we change and engineer the things we put in our body, we are going to evolve differently and change. Right. What our ancestors ate and what we eat today is different. And that's going to eventually change how we function and who we are as humans. So how we change our diets, whether it's in a good way or in a bad way or in a neutral way, right? Like eating genetically engineered foods, we are going to change. So here's the thing. If you, if you, if you are, I don't know, passionate or if you're um, interested or if you're critical of some of the things that are happening in terms of sex, sexuality, gender, gender, gender identity, things like that, look at the food industry. Look at the stuff that's that's everywhere that people are consuming that's changing who we are, right? I mean, we already know it's very common knowledge that a lot of a lot of 
um, d things that be, could be prevented in, in a child in terms of their development are based on nutrition, right? That's why women take prenatal vitamins, right? Um, that's why they need things like folic acid and folate, and I could go down the list. But nutrition definitely matters. And as our foods change, and not to mention things like you know chemicals and pesticides and stuff like that, we change, right? So our environment is influencing us, and it's going to continue to. And the more our diets change, the more we're going to change as a species, right? The next thing I already kind of alluded to is, is chemicals, right? Pesticides and the other chemicals that are in our environment are changing us, right? And not to mention when you've got chemical spills and things like that. I mean, they've done a lot of studies that show that a lot of places that have had chemical skill, uh, spills, people end up with cancer rates, higher cancer rates. Well, what's involved in cancer? genetic mutations right that's what that's where cancer comes from it's a mutation in the dna right those chemicals change the dna they cause mutations right those mutations can also cause changes in our sex and our sexuality our gender and things like that the next thing is drugs the drugs that we put in our bodies right and that means the drugs that women are exposed to while they're pregnant right and so the drugs that women take right and here's the thing a lot of the drugs that are approved by the FDA or that they say, oh, it's okay for a woman to take this, who knows what what effects or influences it's gonna have on your unborn baby and its sexuality and its gender, right? So drugs make a big difference. Drugs, supplements, things like that. Radiation, right? We've got all kinds of radiation going around, right? People don't realize it, but your cell phone is emitting, emitting radiation, right? All the devices that we use, computers, monitors, phones, tablets, um, it's all emitting different types of radiation. And that's going to influence us in our DNA, right? Technology. Uh, and I just kind of talked about that. You know, all the technology that we have, including 5G and all these waves that are flying around all, of, all over the place, those affect everybody, including pregnant women, including developing fetuses. So that's, environment is a huge part of the picture. Um, next, evolutionary uh, influences, right? There's a theory, and you can look this up. Uh, I can't remember the exact name of the theory. I call it the X chromosome theory. But basically, um, there are environmental evolutionary factors where basically our genes kind of compete with each other, right? Uh, in order to survive. That's kind of how evolution works. Evolution works where basically species do things to allow or ensure their survival in the future, right? Chromosomes do that too. And so there's a theory that part of the reason why there's a higher rate of homosexuality and higher rates of, of, of you know, gender identity issues and things like that is because of changes in the X chromosome. And basically, our X chromosomes are competing or becoming more competitive in order to help us survive into the future so that those genes can be passed on, right? And that's just part of Darwinism as far as I'm concerned. There's a book that you should check out. It's called The Red Queen, and it talks about some of those things. Uh, I bought that book, gosh, way, maybe way back in college. But it's really good. It's about that. Um, but in terms of our evolutionary pathway, it's changing. It's ever-changing. And we are evolving 
And a lot of people during their lifetime don't really recognize that, but if you study history, you'll see it, right? There's a reason why when you took, uh, you know, um, civilization or the history of civilization or whatever in college that you learned those terms about homo sapiens and homo habilis and uh, homo this, homo erectus and homo this, right? Because we're not the same as we were millions of years ago. We're changing. And I think a lot of people seem to have a problem with that. They don't want people to change, but that's just, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. We've been evolving. We always have. And we, if you believe in evolution, you also believe that we evolved from something that crawled out of the sea, I don't know how long ago, right? So we didn't start as humans. We evolved into that, right? Um, so it kind of makes sense that we're going to continue to evolve, right? Now, maybe not into... Like, you know, I don't know some of the things that you see in science fiction movies, like, I don't know, X-Men and stuff like that. But we are changing. Uh, we didn't start off as humans. We're humans now, but we didn't start that way off. And a lot of people just I probably disagree with that. But um, I mean, that's just a fact. Um, the next thing um, is just kind of everything else. The confluence. Right. And that's where the word multifactorial comes in. Um, there are so many different things that determine who we are, how we are, which way we go, how we develop, how we change, all those kind of things. And we don't understand all that, right? Some of it could be weather related. Some of it is, could be radiation and just kind of the, the energy that's emitted from products that we use and things like that. But here's the thing. We're going to continue to change, right? And as we, you know, kind of venture out in the space and and probably exhaust the resources of this planet we're going to continue to change that's just kind of the nature of things and so i think i think if you if you look at gender and gender identity and sex and sexuality and you know being transgender and and all these different things and you kind of look at it from a multifactorial standpoint if you look at the history of humanity meaning since we've been humans because we didn't start out that way. If you look at biochemistry and the biochemical pathways that decide how somebody becomes male versus female and, and otherwise, if you look at some of the things that are happening in the environment or environmental factors like our diet and nutrition and the chemicals we're exposed to and the drugs that women take or the, the, the things that they put in their body during pregnancy or things that they're exposed to while they're pregnant, like radiation, if you look at technology and the, the radiation associated with technological devices uh, and, and, and frequencies and things like that, if you look at the evolutionary influences of chromosomes and things like that, I think it makes it a lot easier to understand why what's happening is happening, right? And so my <laughs> solution, which, you know, the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast is all about solutions. My solution is this. It's, it's not a solution to there being transgender people or homosexual people or bisexual or any of the other things, because I don't think those things need solutions. My solution is that people get more information and become more informed about why things are happening, right? I think it starts with knowledge. And with that, I'm going to wrap up. Thanks so much for joining me for this podcast. I may do a follow-up podcast to this. Uh, gender, gender identity, sex, sexuality, all that kind of stuff is deep territory. And like I said, in a lot of ways, 
one of the reasons why I think um, there's so much confusion about it is because a lot of it's just biochemistry. And most people don't really understand biochemistry. If they understood biochemistry, they would realize why there's so many variations. Variations in sexuality and variations in every other aspect that affects human, uh, our species. So with that, I'm going to wrap up. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm going to try to do another podcast episode tomorrow. You take care. Bye-bye.